All right. And just like that, we are back again with another episode of the Mind the Growth podcast. As always, I am Chris Kinghorn. And I'm Eric Hoffman. And today we are joined by a very special guest. We have Stratton Andrews with, is it Stratton? Is it Stratton Architecture? Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having us. You know, it's actually the first podcast I've been on. So uh, hopefully it goes well. I'm excited. I'm sure it's going to go great. Uh, well, why don't we just dive straight into this? Can you tell the listeners a little bit about kind of who you are and, and what your story is like? Yeah. So we're, we're about a two to three year old architecture firm here in the Phoenix Valley. We specify mostly in custom luxury halls ranging. You know, we're, we span right now from um, Scottsdale, Veritas Valley, North Scottsdale, uh, we're, we're hitting Flagstaff and uh, starting to get up into Colorado and some of those areas too. So um, we're, we're spreading quickly and, you know, the economy's been helpful the last couple of years and uh, it's been just a good good start to the company. And how how old are you, Stratton? I'm uh, 30. Okay, young guy, <laughs> you and Chris. Um, so with architecture, was this something that a lot of my architecture friends, they were drawing houses when they were like in diapers. Is that your story or when did you know that this was a path you wanted to take? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, architecture's always been on the forefront of my mind since, you know, you're, you're a kid, you're always playing Legos or building Forbes or drawing or, or all the above, you know, and a um, little bit of creativity, a little bit of, you know, engineering and math and combining those two together and putting and being able to work with clients, which is sort of a dynamic aspect that a lot of professions still offer. You're always kind of on your toes. You're always fielding problems. And, um, but it also, again, gives you that creativity that a lot of places don't offer. So, you know, I've always had it in the back of my mind started in, you know, elementary school and high school took classes and ended up at university of Arizona for architecture school. And from there, uh, bounced up to Phoenix and everything's just, you know, taken off in the Valley here. So and where, where are you from originally? East Coast, uh, from Connecticut, born and raised okay. and came out for school. Nice. And what, what, was, what was the U of A like from two <laughs> ASU grads? <laughs> <laughs> Better than ASU. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> uh, I actually uh, looked at both school pretty intensely. I uh, looked at you know, their yeah. architecture programs and looked at, you know, their day-to-day -day life and campus lifestyle. And, you know, it was tough. It came down to that paths of programs, length, costs, and uh, just campus life also helped. So, you know, it was always fun sure. kind of being part of uh, Greek life and sports and everything down there. It was a good community and a good balance. Did you play sports down there at all? No, I didn't go, just did a lot of intramurals and everything with the, with the groups of guys. Got it, got it. Um, you know, architecture keeps you slammed as is. So Pretty busy. <laughs> wasn't really in the cards. Yeah, yeah. I, and I do have, like I said, a couple of friends who went through the ASU architecture program. And every single one of them said it was way more intense than they expected. A lot more work. And they weren't sure if they were going to pursue it based on the class load, etc. Was that a similar experience for you? Or how... How is schooling in terms of the architecture uh, emphasis? Yeah, I mean, school was a tough balance, you know, trying to keep up with friends and keep up with the social life. But school was great. You know, I think it taught you kind of rigor and and balance that plays 
kind of well into professional career now. It was tough, and I think we have a couple of ASU grads working for us now, and they're doing great. And actually, one of them played uh, lacrosse full time while she was there, D1. So I'm impressed that she was able to balance, you know, uh, a, a D1 sure. sport with architecture. You know, I, I don't know if I'd have that in me. So it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> so if we if we shift kind of post-college then, can you give us uh, a little bit of a walkthrough of kind of where you ended up post-college and then really when you finally hit the point of, you know, wanting to do this, you know, make the leap of, leap of faith yeah. and, and get going on your own? Yeah, kind of while we were down in Tucson, uh, I had a couple of internships while in school at some luxury custom home architects. And that really kind of continued to inspire me of why I'm kind of doing all this work in school and everything, because the, the profession is so interesting being able to work with some of these clients and kind of inspire and create their, um, their homes that they're, you know, so proud of and that we're so proud of. So that really continued to fuel me. And I came up here and we, uh, worked for two different custom home architecture firms in the Valley and gained a lot of, you know, experience, a lot of, a good network of people. Uh, then I took on a commercial role as a senior designer at a Davis, which was really fun, really interesting. I wanted to, you know, before I fully committed to just custom homes and, and that kind of the hospitality realm, I wanted to check out what, what else there was for architecture. So I did that. We did high rises, we did multifamily, we did condos, we did, you know, campus work, a little bit of everything, which was exciting as well, but it also instilled my passion for um, custom homes. So, you know, I was there, it was a great experience, great learning. Um, but it just reinforced what I wanted to do. And that was, you know, get back into custom homes, get in back in touch with the clients and kind of start the company. So that was kind of the tipping point when I, when I went over into commercial, kind of tested the waters, great role, great people, still kind of love communicating and getting back and talking to them. But homes is really where I want to push it and focus. No, absolutely. So I've got a quick question. I've got a little bit of a construction background, but, but it's more so on the technical side. So obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of involvement and communication with the, with the owner up front, obviously before ground breaks. And I'm sure that kind of continues throughout the lifespan of the project, but does it, does it ease up a decent amount as you start uh, progressing through the project or what does that, what does that really entail or look like? Yeah, it's a little bit of everything. It depends on the project. You know, some of our clients are, they want full service from you know, the day we sit down and have our kickoff meeting for the next and for four more years after, you know, you're there on site every morning and could be. Uh, and then there's jobs, whether it's a spec home or a development for a builder that, you know, you can get a little down and dirty and, you know, knock out a project and it, it does get turned over to the builder and you're not pushed by the side, but, you know, there's less day to day work through construction and that. So we have kind of a really nice balance right now of, full-blown custom homes with very high-end clients that want, you know, that, that service that they're paying for, where you're, you're communicating every day, your weekly logins, everything. And then there's the, the spec homes that are, you know, very popular right now in the Valley and they're a little less demanding. I think it's kind of what you're getting at. Right. No, that makes sense. So shifting a little bit to style, I, I've had a, a fascination with homes since I was a teenager. And so in my head, in the early 2000s, like throughout the 2000s, 
the style of choice, at least here, was like a Tuscan style, heavy on tans and browns and, you know, that sort of thing. And then 2010s, up until roughly present, maybe a few years back, the farmhouse was in. And that's what everyone wanted. Now it seems to be kind of a mix of like farmhouse, bohemian, some modern styles. What are you thinking now? And does that even matter to what you or uh, what's the style of today in your view? Uh, great questions. It's funny. We're yesterday, we're walking like two um, dated Tuscan homes, well as like Larry Fitzgerald's first home in the valley. And you can see how it was so cool 15 years, 18 years ago, you know, and it's just they're dark, they're brown, they're dingy, but they're huge. And it's it's almost funny. It's almost a major problem for Scottsdale and Veritas Valley is what to do with these oversized homes that need a new life. So there's a lot of work to be done on these communities and it's tough for the, the buyers to to see the vision with us for footage. I mean, we're talking 15,000 homes and and where do you even begin on remodeling that, you know? And, and it's tough to tell them to tear something down like that because obviously they paid a, a fortune for it. So and we're in an interesting time where all that architecture is getting dated and, and things are new where we're going lighter colors. And you're right, Farmhouse was huge through Arcadia and Scottsdale. And uh, I think that'll continue in those pockets because there is definite merit and value to that because, you know, in Arcadia, it latches onto the, the nature of where that neighborhood came from, which is old, you know, orange tree groves and that whole nature farming there. So it, it sustains time there. But when you start sprinkling that over the desert in North Scottsdale and, you know, up to some of the DC ranch areas and you're doing farmhouse, I think that's just forcing a style on something that shouldn't be. So I think that stuff will phase out, um, you know, seeing the Mediterranean and then we focus a lot on modern homes, but we're also doing probably 40%, 30% of kind of European transitional home where they want some of the old, old world lines on the outside, but we're trying to pick up newer colors, whether it's whiter interiors and new, more contemporary lighting and, and fixtures and just bringing everything up. But, but a lot of people do love that kind of old world charm of some of those homes. So it's a balance of you know, making more modern homes and making them soft enough to live in. Some people love, you know, the sculptural piece of contemporary that we do. And some people love going to them, but not living in them. So I think it's kind of a, a balance listening to the client, hearing what they want to, what they want to do and, and just kind of reading, reading the situation. All right. So kind of touching back on yeah, Cox, exactly. So touching, this is super cheesy. Uh, I just moved into my new office, but kind of going back, starting what you were saying, kind of the, the farmhouses in Arcadia, Arcadia and the orange groves. I've got a photo that's going to be behind me. Um, so this is this is uh, Camelback uh, in 1942, I think it was. And it's just all really just orange groves and you've got Camelback Mountain in the in the back. So kind of excited to, to have that on the wall, but it's being a, a Phoenix native, it's something that's kind of cool. So you obviously see so many different types of houses, shapes, sizes, et cetera. What is your, what is your preference? What's your favorite type? And I, I don't know how you want to share that or if, you, if you've got an opinion yeah. on it, but what's, what would you, I guess, what would you want to live in? And then what, do you, what style do you like building? What do you prefer building? 
Great question. Um, so what, what I want to, you know, try to continue to, uh, work on and strive for is working on, you know, hillside homes, whether you're in, you know, starting in Tucson, whether you're in Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, um, Mesa has some amazing hillside communities as well. Um, and they're challenging and that's, what's so unique about hillside homes. Even we can get into style and whatnot, but, but the complexities of, of the structural engineering, the civil engineering, the, the restraints by the cities, just the codes, everything that goes into these projects are just so complex and so interesting and takes such a talented team to kind of solve makes those projects so much fun. Uh, and then that that's sort of, you know, a, a place versus a style. So. I find that, you know, contemporary work on hillsides, the, a lot of the, the glass lines. And so those pe hillside buyers tend to be, you know, single guys or single, you know, women that are, uh, looking for something different. They're not family homes, you know, they're, they're full of amazing art pieces and sculptural pieces that are looking for distant mountain sunset views, as opposed to, you know, some of your, our Arcadia or Scottsdale large parcels where you know, you have flat lots and you can, you have a lot of freedom, but it's almost more interesting to solve kind of hillside problems. That's sort of the, you know, the dream is to really work and, and create something special on a challenging site, uh, versus, you know, if you're given 12 lots in, um, you know, flat Scottsdale, it's, it's just the, the creativity is it's endless there, but it's not as, you know, invigorating and then the end product just isn't as exciting. So. Hillside and contemporary homes really uh, is what we're going to try to focus on, what we're doing a lot of. We probably have uh, 10 to 15 homes kind of all over the valley right now at Hillsides. And it even is translating up to, again, northern Arizona and Colorado and in areas that see, you know, difficulties and the need for uh, an architect that's experienced in lift areas. So is it safe to say that, do you, what is more rewarding do you think solving the challenge or seeing the 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 final outcome you know projects go in like phases of you know excitement you know you'll have the initial meetings and you'll have the the presentations with you know videos fly throughs renderings and and all the emotions there the clients really excited uh that's obviously phase one the most exciting part uh phase two would be kind of you know solving those problems and that's that's where, you know, we're behind the scenes working with the cities, the towns, the engineers, and, you know, there's actually an amazing amount of satis satisfaction working through that, solving some of these things. And they take time, which, you know, some clients just wish everything's quick and, um, and easy, but, you know, getting through and solving those problems is just almost as rewarding as, you know, presenting the, the project themselves. And then phase three is, you know, construction and watching that go up and seeing you know, just that infrastructure that is required on, on these projects is incredible. So, you know, start to finish, it's, there's never a dull moment, but it goes in waves. That's awesome. No, that great answer. The clientele that you're working with is, is pretty high end. Um, you know, what, what is it like working, uh, with more higher end clients? Most of the time it's extremely rewarding, you know, some are more challenging than others, but it, they come from, you know, all different places of life. And that's the really cool thing is, is being able to work with these clients, but just hearing their background story, you know, whether they came from nothing and, um, owned auto stores and, and just continue to work and hustle and, you know, create something or, you know, fourth generation wealth. And they're moving here from New York city and, 
you know, they're used to this lifestyle. So it's, it's fun to sit down with a client, have a beer, always to kind of, you know, kick it off and, and learn kind of where they came from. And, and if this is their first home or if their 10th home they've done, you know, and the, there's different routes that you approach each project. If it's, if it's their first one versus, you know, if they've done this before. So it's always getting to know the client, kind of reading them, uh, getting comfortable with them and kind of then starting the project. No, that's awesome. And, and just the network effect alone. I feel like you spend so much time talking with these individuals. So I'm sure there's, you know, the relationships that you're building through this have to be positive as well. Yeah, that's so critical. You know, I mean, if you do your job and you do it as best as possible, you know, one job should lead to another. And that's kind of how we're trying to, you know, start out and make sure we provide the best service we can up front. So, you know, those referrals and those, I mean, the small city and the small town, these, it's a small network of people that are, you know, doing this, but it, it's all interconnected. And if, if you just do the right thing and, and just do your best up front, I think, you know, you should have success. Yeah, absolutely. I think people recognize that as well too. So how many, how many, since you've branched off and started your venture, how many houses have you designed and built? So yeah, again, we started probably two years ago when we um, phased out of our commercial work and we probably designed and permitted 10 to 15 homes or probably another 10 to 15 in the works. Um, and then we've broken ground on a good five plus homes right now. So things are kind of coming out of the ground nicely right now. We have a good pipeline of next probably two to three years of work kind of lined up. And that's been exciting too, is trying to line up clients long-term too, not just to have, you know, six months worth of work is um, meeting clients that don't even, that just bought their lot that aren't even ready for, you know, another year. So it's, it's about engaging them early and getting them and keeping in touch with them as the, the projects kind of come to life. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. Well, and then obviously with, so with the state of the market that we're currently in, a lot of things are, are looking, you know, potentially like recessionists. Um, are you seeing any, any pullback? Is there, is there any sort of market shift that you're seeing? Obviously the, the client that you're dealing with is, you know, it's not going to be your average individual, but do you, do you see anything softening on your end? Obviously there's always the talk every, every day, you know, every meeting we have is, you know, financial forecasts and chats up front, but we haven't, and no projects have gone on hold. Um, we still have just as many developments and spec homes going up, and that's a good barometer of, you know, you know, the customs will, will go if they have the money and the wherewithal. But if, if the specs start to go down, you know, that shows quite a fear in, in the development and the state of, um, real estate in at least, you know, Scottsdale, Ferris Valley. Um, so we're still seeing all the, the builders are hanging on to their developments and pushing forward and we have new stuff on the boards going forward. So we feel comfortable enough right now that, that real estate is definitely a safe, safe enough route to take for these investors. And on a custom side, as I mentioned, you know, everyone's watched the stock market daily and they all this clients sure have lost a lot of money but no one's pulled back and they, you know, they want their dream home and they've, um, they've hopefully saved properly for it. So we're, we're having good success. Awesome. That's good to hear. So I was going to ask Stratton with these hillside projects, is the price range just thinking out loud between like a five and $15 million type of home we're talking about? Yeah, that's probably a, a good assumption. Um, based on the town you're in a little bit. So Paradise Valley Hillside is expensive. Uh, 
it's just the nature of the subcontracts, the contractors, the land that the land cost alone. Um, it has to make sense for you to invest that kind of money into the the property to get here. You know, even if it is a custom home, just to make sure that you're you're safe on your investment in the long run. So we we advise them on you know what what purchase price they're at and where is the cap on their property. You know, we'll go out there and make sure they're not putting a $10 million home on a half million dollar piece of property that just isn't financially smart. So we try to guide them on, you know, as best as possible. We know the market, um, what, what, what a good piece of property is, but there's hillsides again, even in Peoria and Mesa that we're doing, um, beautiful gated communities with, um, deep, uh, views of Lake Pleasant and all those spaces that are incredible out there. People don't even know. Uh, and you can do your hillside, it's the same infrastructure and same complexities, but you know, you'd be at that lower $5 million price point versus something that, you know, be more in the 10, 15 in Paradise Valley. Sure. So and it's location. With, with your group, do you institute any sort of like minimums for projects or like clients to take on? No, we're not, um, we're not that place yet, but a lot of top tier architecture firms do, you know, we're working with a couple, um, firms from around the world. We're actually collaborating with a firm out of South Africa who they've latched onto the ultra luxury market and they kind of followed some of these billionaires around the globe with their real estate. So they've kind of became this group that helps them bring value to all sorts of cities. So we actually have a new project with, uh, again, collaborating with a firm out of South Africa and they have minimums, very high minimums for some of these guys. So, um, we're, we're their local group on the ground, kind of getting everything together, building the team. But, uh, yeah, definitely no minimums over here. Gotcha. Gotcha. And with your outlook so far, and you may have touched on this a little bit before, but what are you seeing in the next few years in terms of the market? And I want to touch on both the financial side, as well as going back to the style side, I know you're looking at the, you know, mountain homes, which have a lot of maybe glass and, and modern techniques. But um, if you could make a prediction, what do you think is going to be the in style in a few years and um, in Phoenix in particular, since that's where we are? How do you think the market's going to look a few years from now? Yeah, I'll first touch on style. I think great question we kind of tracked on the previous styles, but where I see it going, I mean, we saw over the last five years that contemporary came on pretty strong. And in my opinion, contemporary is probably my favorite um, aesthetic, but when contemporary is done wrong, or um, maybe there wasn't a budget afforded to the project or the wrong agency was on the project or something, I think it can go horribly wrong. I think it could, it's a bad look for a community and a bad look for, you know, anything. If you have a, a terrible landscape with a bad hole, um, it's pretty detrimental. So people were steering away from the white boxes and the gray boxes that were done. And they're trying, they're trying to have the same glass lines and the same, you know, operability that all this new technology has. So I don't see us, you know, circling back to some sort of old world styles by any means, but I see trends trying to soften some of those, um, 
harsh contemporary homes that have gone up that even in my opinion have kind of tainted the the idea of contemporary work and that's almost pushing people back to you know whether it's a farmhouse or some of that so but i do think you know sophisticated buyers and people that love you know, contemporary work, it, I think it'll remain, it'll remain strong here in Arizona because we're different than any other state in terms of, you know, our, our time we can spend outside, inside, our, our, our daylighting, and just the way that technology's helped that too. You know, 15 years ago, you couldn't do half the things we could do with glass, HVAC, it just isn't sustainable. But now with, you know, Tesla and um, solar panels, all this new materials out. It's, I think it's gonna be a game changer. And luckily Phoenix is on sort of the, one of the forefronts of contemporary work, whether, you know, you're feeding with California and, um, a little bit of Denver and Florida work, uh, we're trying to become more of a design focused city, which it's never been. It's been a development focused city in terms of quantity and scale over quality. So I see contemporary work lasting well into the future and hopefully, you know, we continue to refine it. So let's, if we shift back to, I'm curious about kind of the partnership that you had mentioned, but not, I guess not necessarily that one specifically, but just as, as your, uh, your business plan as a whole, um, going from where, when you started to where you're currently at now and then looking towards the future, you know, what do you see the drivers for, for business growth? Is it through partnerships? Is it through exposure? Um, you know, through trophy houses, if you will, what, what's your vision look like for that? That's great. Yeah, it's, it's, I think about it, you know, every night, what's the best path to a sustainable, you know, firm that people want to come work for and, you know, hours aren't ridiculous. I mean, architecture has a bad reputation for overworked, underpaid, you know, zero gratification at the end of the day. And I think that's changing and uh, obviously we need to push that further, but it's tough because you got to manage your business properly and, and create the right deals with the right people with sustainable work too, because sometimes custom homes will dry up and you gotta be able to pivot, you know, over to maybe it's commercial work or maybe it's hospitality. And I think um, being able to pivot and and work on the fly and have a well-first background is helpful in that point. But uh, back to kind of partnerships and whatnot, we started out by our own firm, then we actually even partnered with Bedrock on a lot of their developments, so we have two developments going up crown canyon and uh bird streets which actually hasn't even hit the market are those yet. spec or are those um, custom homes? Yeah. uh both are spec sure. developments um and yeah bird street will come out in about a month so that'll be kind of interesting to see that's a blend of contemporary homes and a little bit of you know cleaned up european because we saw the market wanting a little bit of both so that partnership's been huge. You know, that creates a pipeline of work, uh, helps with, you know, portfolio work. And really, if if we do our job right and when, you, when we enjoy our time together, you know, these are long-lasting uh, working relationships going forward. Oh, that's awesome. How do you see your job uh, being enhanced by technology these days and into the future? Are you looking into anything like, whether it's, AI uh, assisting with part of the design or uh, things of that nature. What exists in the in the architecture world today, and what's maybe on the forefront? Cool question. Um, it's pretty loaded. The <laughs> like commercial work. I think there's so much 
value in some of the new technology coming out with um, the ability for a developer and an architect to sit down and, and come up with 15 different schemes to maximize parking efficiently and the best layout for, you know, cost design, site planning, just a myriad of benefits to the quick planning. Um, it also technology on my front and everyone's too has helped keep your teams down. So architecture firms used to be drafting centers, essentially of hundreds of people working long hours. And now we're able to take on the work even just 10 years ago would have taken 10 people. We're probably dealing with, you know, three. And what that's helping with, I think, is keep keep the job a little more exciting for the the small team. You know, we're able to do so much quantity and it's quantity with quality. And I think it keeps every day kind of dynamic versus, you know, just the long hours of CAD work or draft day or whatever you're going to call it. So technology is definitely helping, helping, you know, be able to be remote now, obviously that's a huge thing. So even architecture seeing that, I mean, there's so much collaboration, so it is tough to, to do that, but we're, we're doing it and we're doing it well. Uh, and then lastly, in terms of, you know, there's 3D, there's, um, you know, there's software now that like Grasshopper and Rhino that can almost create an AI stuff and create models and things artificially, just like you touched on. And there's a huge place for that in terms of like mass planning, um, large apartment complexes. I think there's huge value in that. But where we're seeing is with these custom clients, it's just not practical to explore those technologies um, just because the nature of uh, some of the hillside projects and the nuances that we deal with. So we personally don't um, push some of the AI stuff and the kind of um, grasshopper modeling, but, uh, we're definitely on the forefront of rendering softwares, 3d visuals. You know, we've looked at having rooms to kind of walk clients through visually with the VR and everything. So we're pushing visuals and presentations and that to the limit. And, uh, yeah, and that's where gotcha. we're focusing. Uh, one, one last entry into the, uh, design aspect, and then <laughs> we're going to move on my, my dream home is more of like a Santa Barbara style, you know, Spanish tile, that that sort of white facade. What is your feeling on bringing some of these types of styles, like from different cultures or different areas, into in a place like Phoenix, where maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't totally fit? What's, what's your view? Should those styles stay where they're from, or is there room for them in other places? I love Santa Barbara, so at least you're latching on something yeah. we can get along with. Uh, I think Santa Barbara also is a dynamic style that, I mean, again, it resonated in California, so it, it offers a lot of glass and a lot of, you know, steel windows. I mean, there's just a lot of character to it, um, and it has, you know, your clay tiles, so there is a place and a, a feeling of it's not out of place in, in you know, the desert here. Uh, and who's to say what's even the right architecture for the desert, you know, whether Frank would like coin, you know, desert prairie or, or whatnot. And we follow that. Maybe that's the truth. Maybe not. Um, but I, I, I don't like, um, you know, when I try to sit down with clients, I don't try to say, this is what style I do. You know, I think every style can be done to the best of their abilities, you know, as long as you 
take a creative twist on. It's all, it's all about re recreating the wheel and replicating homes that were done 200 years ago. As long as we're trying to at least enhance the design we're doing in front of us and enhance the neighborhood and the curb appeal and just the clients, you know, experience with the project. I don't think there's a right or wrong. Um, and then there's the whole, you know, HOA world that will <laughs> tell you what nightmare. to do, but yeah. Unqualified <laughs> people telling you how to, how to design a home <laughs> that we could have Shred, a whole podcast so, on that. <laughs> exactly. Shred, so outside of work, what do you enjoy doing? So this past year has been nothing but work. I think, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we're trying to really set a good foundation for, you know, things to come. And I think that's through, you know, it's all about building the foundation, the relationships now and getting off the right foot, you know, ensuring our first jobs, our clients are completely satisfied. And then, you know, we can look long-term because I, again, I want to create an office and a culture that, um, you know, it's not a terrible grind and there is work-life balance that it's tough to find in, in this town with uh, architecture. So um, this year has been a grind and it's going to continue probably for another uh, year until we feel, uh, feel like we really got our foundation going. But uh, outside, you know, my wife and I would try to get away, um, go up north, uh, get away with our dog. Um, we're going to go out to San Diego for a long Memorial Day weekend. You know, we're at that age with million weddings. So it's just travel work and, you know, try to get out in old town when we can. I think I, did you mention that you're currently working on a, on a house for yourself in the PV area? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we bought in De <laughs> December too. We found an old cool mid-century home, uh, up in the hill. So it was really exciting, you know, got a cool hillside project for me to work on, but it's a tough time to work. I mean, I'm trying to do, so we, we renovated and redid our last home and that was kind of a pleasure and uh, we're doing it here again. So we're about halfway done and that's a whole other podcast too, where we get, get into construction materials and delays <laughs> and that whole world. But, uh, we're, we're running into that, you know, even with all our connections, I mean, it's just a, a daunting task. Is that, are you, are you, what type of, is there a certain flair style that you're doing within that house or? So our roof lines, uh, it was a really cool kind of flat, uh, white, boxy hillside home, um, all glass in the back, city like view. So it had really good mid-century bones and they don't even allow, you know, white hillside homes anymore. It's just a little too California standoff. You know, they want the browns and the, the desert colors. So we kind of have this, you know, 1960s home that's been pre-approved. So we're kind of running with the, the simple contemporary lines and, uh, doing, you know, clean kitchens and clean finishes throughout. So. It's a work in progress. Do you currently do any sort of real estate investing on the side, or is that something that you'd consider in the future? I know you mentioned you renovated your last home. I don't know if you're planning to sell, rent it out, et cetera. Yeah, great question. Um, we did our last home in Old Town. We had a really cool, again, 1960s town home walk-up that was just a cool neighborhood and that's almost why we bought there we just saw potential and it was probably 2016 when we bought and it became like a flipping paradise through the last four years boom so i think i don't think there's one home that wasn't turned over it's probably about 40 homes in the little neighborhood and they turned over every single home i mean properties went from mid threes to over a million now 
on these town halls, you know, it's, it's incredible to see where that went. So we had fun working on that. We got out a little, you know, earlier than the, the big boom up in the last, you know, year, but we did well on that. And it was such a pleasure to kind of work through those projects. And then looking forward, um, we have a lot of agents and developers that, you know, they offer and talk about, you know, do you want to get into this deal with your, either your current finances and your money, or do you want to potentially offer up your architecture services and get in on this? So, you know, there's a lot of people come asking, you know, reduced architecture rates upfront for backend, um, profits on some of these specs. So see that, um, we haven't kind of gone in direction either. Sometimes, you know, it's better to just take your money up front and reinvest it where you where you please and where you feel comfortable, or, you know, if you find the right group of guys that, um, you know, you feel comfortable in that making that investment, I think it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. That's an interesting angle. That could be, that could be very interesting for, for the partnership side of things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So last question. So the name of the podcast is mind the growth. And the question we ask everybody at the end of the podcast is what does the word growth mean to you? Great question. I mean, I like that. Um, Growth to me, it's kind of, you know, there's, there's personal growth. There's in this kind of podcast, there's company growth and, you know, there's just growth throughout life. And I think, you know, kind of weighing where I want to take a company where I want to take my life and kind of being at different companies here in the Valley is just weighing, you know, what's important to you, whether it's financial profits or work-life balance or both or creating an atmosphere that, you know, everyone wants to, to kind of work around and work for. So I think I always kind of see, see myself as, you know, working as a team, a lot of architects work as kind of a sole practitioner and I find growth as a team to me is more important than growth, you know, as an isolated business owner. So I think building that takes a lot of work and effort, but once you've grown a team, you know, it, it should it should fuel itself, hopefully, you know? So I think there's growth as a, as a unit and as a company, and then there's personal growth as, you know, a leader and providing for, you know, not only them and their family and everything, and then just learning how to deal with uh, business and that whole aspect, which is tough. Cause a lot of, again, architects are in a design world, they're in a design bubble and they might be so talented at design, but they might get you know, destroyed by a developer and put out of business. You know, if you make a couple wrong deals or something sounded good and your contracts were tight up front, you know, business is ruthless. So, um, growth on just a multitude of levels and, you know, just keep working hard and see what happens. Well, I've, I've been told that, you know, a good attorney, so hopefully you're covered <laughs> on that end. Oh yeah. Shout out. She's the best. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. This has been fun. Thanks for yeah, it's been a pleasure. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait to hear it. And uh, can't wait to, you know, hopefully join some more in the future. We can talk about construction and real estate, whatever else you want. Yeah, we'll have to walk through one of these houses at one point. Yep. That'd be amazing. Maybe once this is done, we can check perfect. it out. Yeah. Come away, guys. All right. Thanks, Red. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome, man. Well, thanks again, right. man. We appreciate it.